When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wednesday Night Live, Wrestling Inc. across the world, whether it is YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, Facebook, wherever it may be, you're locked and loaded and tuned in here as we're going to continue the night on. I'm Justin LaBar alongside Alfred Kunawa coming off a high-energy AEW Dynamite, who uh, back on the road, of course, they were on the road last week, Alfred, in Miami, tonight, Texas. And as we were just talking before we went on air, tonight starts the Texas love that the top two pro wrestling companies are giving obviously tonight again um you know seeing seeing this crowd tonight in texas for fighter fest night one this friday smackdown in front of a live crowd in houston and then uh, uh, dallas sunday for money in the bank dallas again monday for raw and then garland texas just outside of dallas for fighter fest night two next week for aew so uh texas setting a great standard that crowd tonight in aew was just off the charts yeah, yeah, it's a Texas five-step, I guess, is what we're doing for pro wrestling. And if any of those Texas crowds live up to this crowd tonight, I think it should be some fun uh, run of shows. Uh, and, yeah, I thought tonight's crowd was just absolutely fantastic. And I do think that AEW was great in rewarding that crowd with just a lot of, you know, baby faces going over. The one heel who went over on this show was Ricky Starks, who was the hometown hero, and they loved Ricky. So I just thought this was a fun, crowd-pleasing show. I thought the crowd was uh, one of the stars of this show. And it was really made the product seem like it's uh, very hot, which it is getting hot. They're heating up a lot of their top storylines right now. Now, before we get into Dynamite, we'll let everybody come in, take their seats as they're filtering in here tonight. If you're on the East Coast, it's 1014. Thank you for staying up. If you're on the West Coast, uh, you're still just getting your – you're still still saying goodbye to that sunshine. I got to yeah, say, okay. star of the show, Alfred, star of the show. I mean, did, what did you do? Did, did you did you take lunch in Hawaii with Raj and then take the flight back to L.A.? What is this? What are you doing here? Uh, listen, I've been putting Raj over on this podcast, so he sent me exclusively overnight this shirt from Hawaii from his private residence. And uh, I'd like to thank you, Raj. No, no, no. I, this is a this is a shirt from the Alfred Kunawa uh, Floral Shirt Connection. Uh, you know, and Nick Hausman is a big fan of these floral shirts, and he's been wearing floral shirts himself. So I just want to spread the love. Over the summer, you're going to see uh, a litany of floral shirts, and and I just they're just very easy to put on. They're they're nice and thin and breathable, and I, I like wearing these shirts. Alfred's got on breathable Hawaiian shirts. I'm supporting a bar from Hell's Kitchen, the Mead Fiddler. Uh, this is why you have to see that you can't just do the audio only version of this. You have to see this show. You have to breathe it. You have to smell it. You have to taste it. Hawaiian shirt. Irish bar and, and, and Hell's Kitchen, how you doing? Uh, we're, we're all kinds of flavor. All right. Uh, well, we got a lot to talk about. Again, we, as we talked about, Texas getting a lot of love this week in, the, in, in pro wrestling with all the big shows. Uh, the next one coming Friday night as it's going to be SmackDown uh, returning uh, in front of live crowds. And they're going to be at the Toyota Center, I believe, in Houston. And uh, you have something to look forward to. I know I am one of these people. Alfred, I don't know if you. I am one of those people that I love sets i love entrance ways i the, 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 you know it's it's they tend to run together in the last 15 20 years because it's it's much more led boards i miss the days of props i miss backlash having swinging hooks and i miss yeah. 
props. And I don't know if we're going to get props, but we are going to at least get a new redesign. So something to look forward to. As Stephanie McMahon sat down with Forbes, not with you, but sat down and <laughs> spoke with Forbes and talked about how they are going to. Uh, and, and we saw some of this happen over the pandemic or the last year and a half uh, using more augmented reality using even more LED, and she talks about how they're going to have a new entrance theme that is going to be used this Friday. It's going to be higher resolution. Uh, it's going to be more of a theatrical um, kind of presentation. Uh, so this is going to be happening this Friday for SmackDown, and I believe we'll probably also get something new as well Monday for Raw. Uh, Alfred, are you are you a set guy? Are you an entranceway guy? Extremely, and shout out to my colleague Michael Lurie. He did a great job on that story, and yes, I, I'm with you, Justin. I miss the King of the Ring when they would have those guys open the doors, those two stooges who were dressed like royal people. WrestleMania 9 might be the worst WrestleMania of all time, but it was the greatest set design in the history of WrestleMania. And I am a big fan. I was talking about this last night, and I kind of took heat because I was defending Karrion Cross for his Gladiator outfit. And my point was, I'm a big fan of pageantry in pro wrestling. Like, in order to be one of my favorite wrestlers, you probably have to have, like, a big pageantry-type design. That's why I love Randy Savage, Ultimate Warrior, Shawn Michaels. Like, that's part of the act and the gig. And and these set designs, I just love them. And I, I wish WWE would go back to the time where every single pay-per-view had uh, a particular set design. I know when it comes to expenses and whatnot, people say that, you know, they want to save money. But I really do think you can add a little something and maybe make up for that in terms of interest in these pay-per-views if the set design was part of that. So I love to hear that they're going to have new sets, and I'm here for it. Well, and, and you know, like, it's not necessarily even an expense thing. I mean, these WrestleMania sets even uh, each year, it's all about a sleek look. You know, they, they want to be able to project as much visual as possible. You know, it, long gone are the days of being able to see the black curtain. Uh, it's all a matter of just what wall can you walk from behind? It's all a matter of just that that's the visual. And that's, that's probably what we're going to get more of, but yeah, I'm a big set guy growing up. I collected the Hasbro figures. I would build the, the, you know, you know me in the early nineties, I'm building the arenas in my room. I'm taking old black t-shirts, turning them inside out, making curtains. I'm stacking, sorry, monopoly and clue to make the stage. You know, I was real big and I'm always real big into sets and, uh, I'm excited and I'm with you. WrestleMania night, they, they build a makeshift arena in the middle of the freaking desert. Uh, the, the, this was <laughs> This, they, this was not at the T-Mobile Arena. This was not at the MGM Grand. This was them occupying a plot of land, or they built, they resurrected, uh, kind of like Fighter Fest, the original concept before it ever happened. Yeah, Jim um, Ross and the Toga. Yeah, Jim Ross and the Toga. Bobby Heenan coming on the camel backwards. Um, yeah, I'm all about the sets, I, and I and I agree. And I, I don't. I'm not again. I'm not expecting much more other than again more. Uh, of the visuals more of the led boards but this does get me amped up i hope to see something you know actually one of my favorite sets are and it's it's some of the most simplistic ones but it's what they used for and actually kind of is an odd i like it's why i like aew set uh they did it for mania 10 11 12 13 and 14 at least i love the old-fashioned tunnel that WWE did Mm-hmm. And they had the and they had the lights inside of it, and, it's, and you know they had the glass. That also, of course, is the famous shot of breaking the glass as he comes through uh, for the for the it might have been Mania 13 against Brett. But the old fashioned tunnel, you know, it, obviously it's not as big and extravagant as what they would evolve to for Mania 17 and beyond. But I like just some of the just some of those just felt. You know, I don't know. I miss those. You know, the yeah, especially in Madison Square Garden for WrestleMania 10, where it's just, I always liked that smaller entrance that they would walk through from Madison Square Garden yeah. and how it looked. So it did make it look a little bit bigger because the alleyway was so small there. Absolutely. All right. So hitting some more of the headlines here as we let more people filter in. Uh, we don't want to start getting the AT- AEW Dynamite too much because people are still coming in as, as the show as the show is just going live. So a few other notes to uh, bring up here. Uh, backstage news. Uh, WWE, it looks like a trade essentially offered as, as Aaliyah, who had been on NXT and the Robert Stone brand. She's going to be going up 
to the main roster, it seems. Looks like she's going to be uh, going to Raw. And Mandy Rose, of course, last night popped up on NXT, so a very unusual uh, one-for-one switch here. Yeah, and good for Aaliyah, first of all. I mean, we were kind of talking about this on the NXT podcast about how she has been in NXT forever. Uh, she's the only person from that Breaking Ground series that's still in NXT. And if this was her send-off, which it definitely looks like it was, at least she got that kind of hero send-off with the crowd cheering and her blowing kisses. I think she kind of knew in the back of her head that she was on her way out. Uh, so good for her for finally getting called up to the main roster, but kind of strange. Uh, but at the same time, I just do think that with WWE kind of rating the women's roster in NXT, which is a loaded roster, and they still have a lot of talent there, even with all those call-ups, uh, I'm sure that Triple H and NXT brass were like, hey, you guys got to give us something for all these women we're giving you. Like, you took Shotzi, you took Tegan the week after she debuted, you took Tony, you got to give us something. And, and Mandy is definitely a name. Like, she might not be the prototypical worker that people were hoping for who gravitate toward NXT, but I do think, especially because she was kind of being paired with Soraya, I think they could have some good matches. Uh, Mandy Rose really underrated in terms of what she can do in the ring, and uh, it, it, it looks like a one-for-one one trade, so interesting, and I hope WWE plays it up like that, because they don't do enough with this draft concept. They just use it to switch around brands, but they don't really honor the fact that they have two different rosters, or one person can be traded for the other, so I do like that. Well, and something else the Triple H and the NXT brass are going to have to be, uh, you know, not thrilled about, but are going to have to just make do with uh, is NBC Universal's broadcast schedule with the Olympics starting here in about a week and a half. Is that uh, Tuesday, July 27th, you can expect Olympic coverage on the USA Network. That's going to pose a problem for NXT, which is going to be bumped to sci fi. Uh, rather than USA Network. So, uh, you know, again, sci-fi, not that it's not in homes, but just any time you have to bump your programming to a different channel than what people are used to, that's always problematic. Uh, so we'll have to keep an eye on what July 27th booking looks like. Do they phone it in that week? Do they take an extra, do they go the extra mile on Raw to promote where NXT is going to be and what we'll see and, of course, what the viewership is ultimately going to turn out to be? Yeah, I'd be scared for that viewership. We just saw an example, a month of examples with AEW when they went to another night. I mean, wrestling fans and even television viewers are creatures of habit. They're used to their shows coming on at certain times. And that AEW number went as low as like 450,000, I believe. Uh, so it got scary low because they were preempted to another night. And I see something similar with NXT, which is unfortunate because they're just starting to build some momentum. They finally got out of that sub 600,000 slump. They got over 700,000 for this week for a uh, world title match. And I just see them going right back down, uh, which is unfortunate. It is. And uh, last story. This was an unfortunate story. Um and the wrestling world, former Ring of Honor world champion Michael Elgin, a real name Aaron Froble, arrested last month for violating a protective order. Uh, Elgin's been in the news a lot over the last year or two. Um, he was arrested on uh, June 29th, uh, most recently by police in Belleville, Illinois, and is charged with violation of a protective order against Angel Rodriguez. Uh, it looks like um, uh, it's, it, she is Elgin's ex fiance and uh, the, the you know, protection order against him. And, and you can read the full allegations. I'm not going to go into the whole thing here. You can read it on Wrestling Inc., but uh, a big, uh, a lot of allegations about uh, abuse that she dealt with in the relationship and then what he allegedly was doing in terms of texting and, and, and such. Really disturbing stuff. So, um, but, but, you know, again, a former Ring of Honor champion, so uh, worthwhile to note. Uh, you can read the full thing on Wrestling Inc. All right, let's uh, jump into AEW Dynamite again. Uh, a very enthusiastic show. I didn't love everything, but certainly I got to say AEW put their best foot forward to making everything at least presented to seem like this is a big deal. Even the women's match that, again, was slotted in a spot of 
kind of that cool down period. Uh, even that when we get to it, you know, they, they put their best uh, foot forward, I thought, in, a, in a, an attempt of, hey, this is worthwhile to tune into. We kick off our uh, Super Chats with Joni Shada Jenkins, 5 Canadian. Am I way off with saying that AEW is must-see? Question mark. It reminds me of WCW late 90s when you had to tune in to see who was showing up. AEW is killing it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, look, the, the Alfred and I talked about this last week, and, and we, we said, mentioned on Monday, this is a very interesting time for both AEW and, and WWE, but maybe even more so AEW, because WWE had several releases, uh, notable releases earlier this year, and, and those non-competes are coming up right when AEW's going back to the road. So it is this, you know, must-see on that aspect. And then AEW, Alfred, they've had a lot of stories that they've been telling for many months here, and some of them have gotten better play than others but there's been history with most of these stories and you know i looked earlier at a tweet or today that jade cargill put out who wasn't even on the, on the show tonight mind you but it was a cool tweet she put out and she just listed all the th- or she quote tweeted all the things that are on tonight's episode and literally when you read a bullet point it's like god there's 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 investment in everything they're putting out there like there's something there is a cliffhanger whether or not it delivers different story each segment but there is a cliff there's a reason to watch each segment Definitely. In, in, in the realm of wrestling, I would say that must-see is an accurate depiction of it, especially the way they present these shows with urgency, um, I, I, especially in a show like tonight where I didn't feel like too much was there that shouldn't have been there. I felt like everything felt like it had a place, uh, even to your point about the, the women's match that they had, that you would theoretically think that because there's no story behind Yuka Sakazaki and Penelope for that this would just be another match, but they even treated that with a, a sense of urgency. So yeah, I think AEW is doing a good job. Obviously, they have their flaws, some of which we talk about, some of which I'm sure we're going to talk about in this show. But I do think AEW as a whole is doing a great job as presenting this as a product that you really should check out. So we kick it off tonight with uh, John Moxley coming through the crowd, Eddie Kingston with him up against Carl Anderson. So this has got some New Japan rules uh, type of feel here, New Japan uh, title uh, you know, implications. And this was just a very physical uh, battle. Alfred, I don't know about you, but it's kind of cool to see Carl Anderson in a singles match. We don't see that too often anymore uh, right now. So this was a cool hand. Mox just going at it, laying in there, as you would expect these two would. Uh, John Mox is going to end up getting the victory with the paradigm shift. Uh, and I got to say, I, I thought this was a great start. And and really, it, 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 it's, 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 we saw it with fans at the Dailies place, but much more convincing now when you have this arena of whatever it was, probably a plus 5,000 in this traditional arena setup. Moxley just doing his mox walk with that wild thing playing and that closed closed arena. That that felt it. I felt yeah. it. He's shoving a fan to the side who's standing his way. Like, he's a wild man. And, and like, yeah. this is such a perfect song for him. I, it's such a great live event song. I love this entrance. It seems like he's such a big star. And even, so the show starts and Justin Roberts says, IWGP, and everybody loses their minds just at the fact that we're getting an IWGP championship. So there was already excitement for this. I was a huge fan of the Machine Gun Carl uh, Innocent character in Japan. And that's what we saw tonight. Even down to that, man, I watched, uh, I rewatched the Stone Cold documentary on A&E tonight. So I guess this is top of mind. And he used that Owen Hart pile driver on Moxley and it looked almost identical. And I was very scared for John Moxley, but thankfully um, uh, they were fine. They were able to finish the match. Nobody got hurt or anything like that. But I d- did enjoy this match. I enjoyed the energy. And this was a kind of precursor of things to come. So, so I really liked it. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Of course, Moxley is going to take on uh, Lance Archer, I believe, next week. So more Moxley to look forward to, and, you know. And I made the point about wild, the Wild Thing theme, and I want to bring this up. Uh, Chris Jones in the chat, he says, "I'm not a fan of the Wild Thing theme, kind of corny." Chris, I, I can see where that 
because I because when AEW started doing this, we started seeing them. We saw it with with, with Jungle Boy and Orange Cassidy. They started uh, purchasing rights to uh, you know already established mainstream songs. And I do agree that there is a certain like line of like, well, this is kind of corny. And, and, and famous WWE composer Jim Johnson is even on the record in an interview saying. He's not a fan of wrestling companies doing this. WWE's done it. Well, of course. <laughs> but not, well, and, and, right. And his, his explanation, besides, it's going to put him out of work, is um, you know you already have an you you already have an associate. You, know, you hear a song, a song that's on the radio. You already hear it. You know, you, you think about oh, that's me making out with my girlfriend uh, when I was in high school, or that's um, that that was played at so and so's wedding. And I get that. Uh, and I maybe I had a little bit of that, but I'll, I'll say this. I think for AEW's sake, especially when something matches so well, like a wild thing with just the Moxley uh, swagger, that works. And AEW, no knock on the, per- the, the the people that are composing their music, but there's more generic music in AEW than there is standout. They have not yet, like, you know, some wrestlers more than others. You know, Darby has a really with that. Dun, 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 with his start, mm-hmm. you know, Britt with the doctor, we'll see you now, but more often than not, I look like a Matt Hardy, a Matt Hardy who's had some iconic music that we all know after our first few riffs, he's uh, generic track three with, with his music, and, and and there's a lot of guys like that, so right now I'm okay with AEW finding a reason to, or finding, you know, ways to have music be identifiers for talent, and I think the wild thing right now for Moxley is just that. Yeah, me too, I'm all for it, I- I'm all for a balance, because we all have the affinity for the classic wrestling songs, you know, your Million Dollar Man song or whatnot, Stone Cold song, but I am definitely a fan of uh, mainstream music and pro wrestling, not only for the entrances, but even when they're doing video packages, you know, some of the stuff that uh, Tony Khan has bought, Tom Waite, and a lot of these mainstream songs that you hear, WWE had that Running Up the Hill classic package for Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, so when they can, I am a fan of uh, pro wrestling doing mainstream themes, and I, to be honest, I was a bigger fan of John Moxley's original Wild Thing theme, where they actually used the the clogs, what was it, the trogs version. I actually like thought that fit him much better uh, than this version. But I do like the kind of visual of these fans singing along in the entrance. I think it all comes together very nicely for John Moxley. Yeah, absolutely. I really do too. How about? Did you see Jericho's uh, quote of the day? And and a he was, I think it was on his podcast talking about how they they wanted to use um they wanted to use ACDC's Back in Black for like a uh, an inner circle promo and there was something else they wanted to do um van halen maybe uh but and it was it's funny i'm an acdc guy and jericho noted how you know acdc wouldn't even give them the time or day to answer aw but then but then he's watching an applebee's commercial and back in blacks on an applebee's commercial he was kind of salty gotta have that applebee's money i guess i don't know i don't know why they didn't call him back that would have been great because that is what jericho's going he told me personally on the interview he said that back in black acdc that's why inner circle wears black so that would have fit there you go. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, Virgil's got that Olive Garden meat sauce money and, and, and Applebee's and that, that back in black ACDC. All right, up next we get uh, – this is, this is fun to watch. <laughs> this is fun to watch, as, as Alfred noted. Um, Texas boy here and Ricky Starks up against Brian Cage. So Ricky Starks is the heel if you're keeping score at home. He's the heel. Brian Cage is the face. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and Hook are at ringside. Taz is on commentary. Um this match starts a little wobbly, but they, they find their, their pace and footing. Uh, ultimately, uh, you end up getting to where Hobbs and Hook, with the aid, ends up getting Ricky Starks to win. The heel, but a huge ovation for Starks, again, who is the the, you know, the local state boy here in Texas, uh, specifically in this Austin area. Um, you know, th- I'm, I'm a little torn here, Alfred. This First off, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, isolated as the two of them, they both are guys who you look at and like, okay, you can build a company around. Ricky Starks, a guy you can build around. He's got great, he, he's got that 
got that young Dwayne Johnson, Rocky mm -hmm. Maivia. Yep. Good looking. You want to just beat his ass, but you can also see that he could blossom into being a charismatic babyface when the positioning's right. Brian Cage, again, built like a brick shithouse. Again, you could big monster, also could be a big babyface. So isolated, I, I feel it. There's a story here, but I do think the Team Taz breakup and problems, I think they have been a victim of too much going on in AEW. I feel like they ha like there has not been, like even last week, they had to hype this match, but what they showed us was like something that happened like during commercial or yeah. like it wasn't live. Uh, and so I do feel like this is kind of like they're, they're just trying to get to a certain point. That point now being Ricky Starks is now the new FTW champion, but it, I'm, I'm not fully invested. I like both guys, but I'm not fully invested. I, I do feel like this has been kind of a, again, a leftover. They've actually booked this storyline in reverse because they were doing weeks of teases with Brian Cage possibly leaving Team Taz. And then down the stretch, yes, they did treat this like an afterthought. You know, I think it was like before the show was the segment they showed, which it did make it seem like this match wasn't going to be much. And that's unfortunate because this is a hometown guy. This is a match they could have built to the main event, to be honest. You know, uh, given how into Ricky Starks this crowd was, given how into this match this crowd was, we see this is awesome chance. But yeah, this has definitely been treated like it's on the afterburner and with team taz as we've talked about on this podcast there's a lot of stop and start so it's very hard to keep track uh and it was very confusing that you know they've built up brian cage is actually the babyface of this few believe it or not but watching this you would think especially because ricky starks is half his size that and the fact that he's a texas guy uh you would think that ricky starks is the babyface so so it's a little bit of a mess with this team taz thing and they really need a big angle to get brian cage out of there and to just move these two parties apart yeah this this definitely kind of is, is the conflict of you know, Ricky Starks was a big part of the promos and billboards for the show again to help sell tickets locally. But but yeah, he's the heel and he's getting the babyface reaction. But it's um, I don't know. And and then where do you go from Brian? Where does Brian Cage go from here? Because now he he's again one of the few who doesn't have an alliance at the moment. He is one of the few who doesn't now have you know doesn't have that gang warfare to back up on. So what happens with Brian Cage? I I definitely feel like Brian Cage and all of Team Taz they are definitely ones who are going to benefit from. Um, uh, Rampage, having a second show each week. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good question. And I mean, even on social media, AEW had some great graphics for this match. You would think that you know, the graphics uh, don't do it justice as how badly they did building up this match toward the, the home stretch. Uh, but that's a good question. Maybe Brian Cage will be one of those people who's, you know, by himself. Maybe he joins. I'm just thinking that they won't help but pair him with Christian Cage and just do something with the two cages or something like that. Uh, and Jungle Boy's out there too. So who knows what they're going to do with Cage. But I do think, I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's like a blowaway promo, but I do think he's good enough on the mic to just be able to exist by himself right now. He's definitely an impressive looking guy. So I don't think he just quote unquote get lost in the shuffle being by himself, but that is something to think about. One more baby face, big man. Cause I mean, I, I mean, Lance Archer, what's he is he, he's kind of like, he's gone from he's heel to like baby. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, so. After attacking Dan Lambert, given that promo from Lambert, <laughs> I think he's a babyface now. Right, but still with Jake though. I, like, I mean, what is? I don't know. If, I don't know if. I don't know if having Jake and I don't. Really, and I love Jake. I'm not even sure why Jake's there though, because I, all Jake's ever doing is trying to hold back Lance Archer very unsuccessfully. Yeah. Maybe Jake needs to be with Brian Cage, and maybe that's the move. But Lance Archer certainly doesn't need Jake Roberts. And this is a couple times now, and more than a couple times, that Lance Archer has just cut these great promos. And it's like, yeah, so what the hell is he doing with Jake then? Like, he doesn't need a talker. This guy can talk. Right. Uh, Peter Bahi, $2. Pack in Black was Candido's ECW theme. Well, yes, it was. I mean, I mean, look, Paul Heyman has said if, if his father was not a lawyer, he would have never been able to get away with these. I mean, look, between 
you know, Candido with that, you know, Tommy Dreamer with Allison Chain. I mean, they they just Arby and Sarah Walk. Yeah, I mean, New Jack with the, you know it. Yeah, go on and on and on of how they of how they made all that work. Uh, all right, so yeah, so uh, Ricky Stark now your FTW champion. So we'll see where we go from here. Does this continue with Brian Cage? Does he find uh, a new place to go? So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, up next, we get uh, we, well, they're showing the recap of Malachi Black making his surprise debut, taking out Arn Anderson, Arn Anderson, and Cody Rhodes last week, and then Cody comes out to the commentary desk. He's all fired up. He's pissed off. He takes the microphone, goes to the ring. Uh, you know, he, you know, he not not liking Malachi Black. Uh, you know, could have just made a phone call. You don't need to show up and take the head off of a sixty-two-year-old man. We see Black on the screen. He's telling a story about, uh, you know, watching an old man uh, put down a, a horse that just has lost its fire and passion. And he looked in the eyes of Arn and Cody last week, and they've lost it. Cody says, "Come on down, take a look again." Lights go out. Black appears, and uh, Black does not take Cody's head off here, Alfred. This is just an all-out brawl, and they have the security, they have the refs, they have Jerry Lynn. Everybody's out there, and this crowd in the palm of their hand, chanting, let them fight. So something mm-hmm. that is only a week old um, in terms of its animosity between these two got this this crowd all into it. Yeah, I thought Cody was phenomenal, particularly when he was on commentary cutting that promo because he channeled his father. That was a Dusty Rhodes-style promo that he cut where if you watch a Dusty Rhodes promo, Dusty Rhodes only breathes when he has to. So that's what Cody was doing, and I thought that was great. And, and he went down a little bit in terms of his in-ring promo, but it was still good. Uh, and I thought um, Malachi Black's promo, I, I liked the story he told. I think he kind of started to lose the crowd. I think... I think that promo should have been done in person because you were hearing some faint what chants, which I, that's one thing I'm not looking forward to with these live crowds back. But um, I thought the segment was a home run. I, I, I like that there's all this intensity. I like that Malachi Black kind of said, you know, those people were cheering when I kicked you in the face. So, you know, this was very well done. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was hooked. And, you know, something interesting with Black is, uh, you know, we've seen obviously now uh, several guys um, come over from, from the WWE world. But there's always, there's always a change. There's always some new wrinkle. You know, Miro came over. He wasn't out doing Rusev Day. I mean, he you know, he altered some things, altered whatever. Um, I thought it was very interesting. If you had just flicked on TNT at the right perfect time when they took the black promo full screen and he's back there with black curtains and smoke, it is identical to an Alistair Black. And I kind of <laughs> like that. And, I, and that had to be on purpose. This was not an accident. I kind of like the fact they literally just picked him up and put him right over here and just picked up with where he left off. Same look, same ambiance, everything. Uh, again, gets me that much more excited. Uh, it seems Cody probably whenever they have Black's first match, what the presentation is going to be to the ring. Because that was something I was so into in WWE. I'd be very curious to see again how how he and Tony Khan and all the AEW producers put that together. Yeah. I think the thing with uh, Aleister Black is they, they do realize that this man was a creative guy. It just they didn't get to do enough with it in WWE. And if you saw that stream he did, he was kind of going over all these ideas he had. So I think they're just saying, hey, man, this sounds great. We're going we're gonna to help you out, but we want you to take the lead creatively. So clearly he's just picking up where he left off, and hopefully he gets to do more. Absolutely. So we get a backstage. We see um, Alex Marvez. He's walking with Tully Blanchard, and they, he runs into Santana and Ortiz, and they basically kind of are, you know, you, you know Tully, you're, pretty brave you got a bullseye on your back and you're walking around here by yourself and they proceed to grab tully and look like they're getting ready to you know give him a beating but then they basically just scare him and let him go and say you know put the word out to your boys uh so uh an interesting this is this stood out to me i mean i don't always necessarily note every backstage thing we see but i thought this was of note alfred because um 
You don't often see this in pro wrestling, but this was the baby faces grabbing yeah. the old man. I mean, I had all belief they were just going to beat the hell out of him. And, and so I thought this was a nice little touch of like still being a baby face, but logically grabbing this, the, 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 the veteran leader of the heel group that you're opposing and, and, and sending a message just by scaring him. I thought this was a nice touch. It made Santana Ortiz look pretty badass. Yeah, me too. This was, uh, this was like, uh, they went from super heel because yeah, they two guys putting their hands on it. Oh man. It's like, well, you guys are supposed to be the baby face. And then them saying, we respect our elders and walk. It was very Batman like where like mm-hmm. Batman doesn't kill people. Like you're, I'm letting you off with a warning, you know, like he's, he's good enough to where he's, he's going to threaten you, make you think he's going to kill you, but then he's, he's got some type of justice about him. So I really did like where this went because yeah, if they would have beaten up this old man with a pipe, like, who's cheering for that? Right. Uh, all right. Up next, Tony Schiavone in the ring. He calls out Hangman Adam Page. Uh, maybe Babyface Pop of the Night. Maybe even you know. Maybe even beyond what Ricky Starks gets. Maybe beyond Darby later. Maybe beyond Britt later. Hangman Adam Page just a uh, huge ovation. Uh, and he's quickly interrupted by Don Callis, the Young Bucks, and the Good Brothers. Um, one of the Bucks gets in the ring. Uh, ends up you know talking some smack. Page decks him. Now it looks like uh, Page is going to be outnumbered, but here comes the Dark Order to come out to even even the odds. Uh, Kenny Omega surfaces, and ultimately we get a match made here, a challenge made, where it's going to be Hangman Adam Page in the Dark Order up against Kenny Omega and, and, and his guys, a 5-on-5 elimination match with the stipulation being Alfred. Uh, if Hangman Page wins, he gets a world title shot and the Dark Order gets a tag title shot, but if Omega's team wins, no title shots for any of them. Uh, so this this really, I mean, they are just milking the, the inevitable here, uh, which, of course, is Omega versus Page. And it's perfect. It's great pacing. Uh, I'm a big fan, and pro wrestling does not do this enough, of the uh, team versus team matches with stakes. You know, uh, this yeah. is very reminiscent of Nexus versus WWE, which even though it won't be remembered very fondly because it did have a really weird finish with John Cena getting those last two pinfalls, was a very hot match, uh, it, it, very reminiscent of the Canadian Stampede even, which I noted on Twitter. Uh, I like how hot people are for this feud, and I like that this match is going to have stakes to where now you're even mapping out the Young Bucks path in terms of them potentially defending the tag team title against the Dark Order. And you're probably going to get uh, Hangman Adam Page pinning Kenny Omega and him justifying getting that title run. And that's exactly what should happen. And also, I, I very much enjoyed the reference to that viral clip. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me, you're not that guy. Uh, it's a very viral, popular clip that the Young Bucks did reference tonight. Uh, and uh, just look it up. It's very funny. Well, and a nice reference by you to the, the Canadian Stampede, uh, July 97 five one five that you're referencing the heart foundation versus you know just the conglomerate of anti can you know the the austin lod and and, and everybody on that i because you're right I, I often still think about that. that that's some of the loudest ovations i can remember and it really had a, a it really kind of had a, an olympic kind of feel to it of a country yeah. versus a country kind of feel to it uh so that's a great reference so when when do they, they did not give any specific dates there's a lot to promote we got fighter fest night two next week of course they're back on the road um, you know, there, there's all out, which is usually the Labor Day weekend. There's the big show in Queens on September 22nd. So like, what's the timeline here, Alfred? I mean, do you do the five on five at all out? And then two weeks later, the results, if it, assuming hangman page and company win, it's page and Omega at the big New York show. Like, like, how do you, how do you, how do you do this? I would love it done like that. I don't know if you do the five on five at a pay-per-view. Maybe they could get that done before the pay-per-view, but I definitely think that Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega should be done in the New York show. 
I, I do think that just given how this storyline has been done, which I think is very good, and how hot it is, I really do think that they should peak it at the New York show and that big Flushing Meadows uh, because it just needs something big. And I, I do think that they can go in terms of all out with something else, whether it's another one-on-one match, whether it's uh, whether it is that five-on-five five match. I wouldn't have a problem with that, but I, I would like to see that Flushing Meadows show be the show where it's Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page. Our buddy Bernie in D.C., uh, maybe the 515 uh, at Rampage. Ooh. That's not a bad thing for the Rampage debut, of course, here at Pittsburgh. Good. Very good Pittsburgh, idea. Uh, August 13th. So, yeah, that would be something to to help help anchor that debut show. All right, so that's set there. So we're on the pace uh, to get what we think is going to be Page versus Omega. We'd have to wait and see the timeline of it. Up next, we get a Jericho promo backstage. Jericho cutting the promo, not uh, not caring about MGF and, and whatever. And a really abrupt but cool timing of a – Sean Spears and MJF just breaking the door down right to Jericho's right. And the chairman, Sean Spears, just taking the chair, Alfred, right to Jericho's throat and, and just, you know, holding him down, beating him with the chair as MJF cuts a promo in the first of the five labors that Jericho is going to have to overcome if he wants to get to MJF is going to be against Sean Spears. I believe they said next week. And the stipulation being Sean Spears can use a chair, but Jericho cannot. I like this. I love the rollout and presentation of these five labors in that I fully expect that, you know, you know, every time Chris Jericho gets one of these labors, MJF is going to be there. Oh, well, now your next task is this. <laughs> I really did like the kind of smarmy little, oh, by the way, you know, this is going to be your first match. And so this is great. This is great in terms of the presentation of how they're going to put Chris Jericho in these precarious situations. So, um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a very good idea. It ties into Sean Spears' character as a chairman, and it gives Jericho this distinct disadvantage to where he's going to continue to get softened up to where by the time he gets to MJF, if and I think when MJF wins that match, it'll be against a kind of wounded Chris Jericho. Another one where it's like, where does that culminate? All out, New York show. Yeah. Fun to watch. You know, this is kind of got it's got like um it's got like a diehard three feel to it. You know, Jeremy Irons, Simon says he's got Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson running all over New York and uh, uh Yeah, I like I like this. I feel it. All right, up next, history here. Twenty three years feud. Matt Hardy versus Christian Cades. Some stats for you. Christian five and oh in AEW. They make note, Christian has never beat Matt Hardy one-on-one. In fact, the last time these two apparently had a one-on-one TV match was on Raw in 03. Think about that. That's wild. Um, Many matches on TV and on house shows and tags, of course. Uh, But here we go. So Matt Hardy versus Christian Cage. Matt Hardy, of course, congratulations. Newest addition to his family. Uh, Another another little one now in the... uh, at the Hardy compound. Uh, this is kind of a, a match of just near falls all over the place. Alfred, you know, we get Christian, he blocks the, uh, the encounters, the twist of fate. Uh, he hits a spear kick out of two. Christian gets a frog splash, another near fall at two. Hardy does a superplex from the top rope near fall at two. Uh, Hardy blocks the kill switch, low blow hits a twist of fate. That's a two count. Hardy goes to the outside, applies the leech submission on the outside. It looks like actually Christian's going to be counted out, but he, this is where the match went off the rail on for me. I didn't quite get it. It looks like Christian's going to be counted out. They get to nine. He pops up, jumps in, and then just like kicks and hits Hardy with a kill switch. And one, two, yeah. three, he wins. It was I, like, I don't know if there was like, I, I don't know if there was a time thing or, or what, but like this match was really cool seeing these two guys and all that history that was set up with the stats and the near falls. And then it's like, 
guy could barely get up, gets up at nine, pops in, and hits his finish. And that's how he beats Matt Hardy for the first time ever on 101. I, I was a little off on that one. And then after the fact, the Hardy office comes out. They had the numbers out, uh, outnumbering Christian until uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus come out to help uh, even the numbers and scare them off. Again, cool. I love these both these guys, veterans. I love the history. Again, love the near falls. They lost me on the finish. You know why this finish was especially surprising to me? And this is kind of a knock on AEW where I was like, wait, no outside interference? Wait, what? What? It's just going to be a finish? So I, I was pleasantly surprised that there was no outside interference in this match. And yeah, it, it did kind of go to an abrupt finish. But I will say, I've got to commend these guys. They worked their asses off. It's almost as if they were very self-conscious about like, this is not going to be a WWE match. I know we're two WWE guys, but we are going to give our all for you guys. And they did. They did a lot of stuff in this match. And I didn't know, like, I guess, yeah, Christian is undefeated. He just doesn't feel undefeated in AEW, but it's good that they're kind of promoting him that way because maybe they're setting him up for a title match uh, down the road. Maybe he'll get the title match at All Out. Who knows? Uh, but they are making it a point to talk about how Christian keeps winning. He is yet to lose. And uh, I, I really commend these guys for how hard they work because you know that they're feeling it, and they're going to be feeling it based on the wrestling bump card that they both have. But, yeah, they did work very hard in this match. Absolutely. Uh, Super Chat, Kayla Mick, $5. Could we see Braun or maybe Daniel Bryan versus Jericho in these matches? Yeah, Kayla, I think everything's on the table. Daniel Bryan's status is a bit of a mystery. Braun, we know, in fact, is a free agent, uh, still under the 90 days at the moment, so can't pop up today. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, we, we kind of alluded to Braun, maybe. You got these, you got f- these five levels that Jericho's going to have to go through. Um, wouldn't that be quite the fifth level? Uh, but I mean, of course, that I mean, maybe that doesn't work. I don't know because you got to figure Jericho's going to beat everybody and make it. So maybe you don't want that to be the debut of one of these guys. But yeah, there is potential for anybody to pop up. And I believe Tony Khan somewhere in one of his interviews has been quoting that he's got, okay, you like Malachi Black? I got even bigger surprises, which is just kind of like, again, intriguing to us as, a, as fans, but also it's like, how many people are we going to put on this roster? <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean, you know, so yeah, I do expect uh, between Braun and Daniel Bryan, I expect at least one of them to end up in AEW over the next month or so. And really, I think if it is Braun, and and I do like that idea because you floated that before, and I did like that in terms of Braun being one of the five laborers, especially to talk about Hercules, he does have that kind of Greek mythology uh, look to him. Uh, This might be one of the rare disqualification finishes where Braun, you know, loses by disqualification to Jericho. That could be something that they pull off because they don't do too many disqualifications in AEW. Um, and if Braun wants to get heat, that's a good way. And you already have all the heat in the world. If you want more of it, a disqualification finish would be a good way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I and again, this might be an irrelevant question because we don't know Daniel Bryan's status. For all we know, Daniel Bryan might have, have it, might have a brand new contract at WWE and they're just waiting, you know, as they return to the road to, to, to you know, put him out there. But, but, for, but as best we know it, as we sit here right now on uh, Wednesday night, July 14th, Braun, we know, is free agent brian potentially is as well so we'll go with this question here from kayla alfred who moves the needle more for AEW? and i ask you this on the, on the context of braun Strowman, obviously you know former world champion you know or more recently a world champion uh you know obviously a larger than life turns the head in the airports kind of guy but i could also see being received as like uh, this is a Another WWE, this is the WWE FIFO fum guy. We're going to boo him versus Dan O'Brien, who, you know, if Dan O'Brien pops up in a Chicago and an all out type of crowd uh, and just some of the some of the matches you could see Dan O'Brien have with people we haven't seen them against that's on the AEW roster. Like, I mean, but 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 again, I think Braun's a bigger 
namesake in the mainstream right now? Like, like who are you putting your investment in? Who, who are you giving a million-dollar contract to? That's a great question. It's a tricky answer. Um, if we're talking long-term, it just depends on how far they're willing to go. If they're willing to go all the way with Braun, there might be some pushback, but I do think that long-term that might move the needle more than if long-term they were to go with Daniel Bryan, especially because like if Daniel Bryan showed up in AEW, huge pop, uh, and immediately you're going to hear, oh, the great matches Daniel Bryan could have, and then it'll peter out. Like, and then like hopefully they're going to be able to keep Daniel Bryan interesting or whatnot. But if Braun comes, we're going to get not only the Braun is in AEW, you're also going to get the polarizing debate. Why is he here? People are going to be like, I know I'm going to be one of the people defending him and I'm going to take heat. And there's going to be people saying he should be here. People say he should be here. And it'll lead to a lot of conversation, which in this world we're living in, in the social media world, I think moves the needle more when you have polarization. So Braun Strowman, you know, would be more of the polarizing figure coming in that I think is going to get more people talking. Daniel Bryan will be a feel good moment for all these wrestling fanatics that I don't think will sustain. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think Bryan's got a few good, great fantasy dream matches you could try to build around but you're right once that once the bell has started and ended for those where else are we and also just looking again back to the you use the phrase a minute ago with hardy and christian to the bump card uh dan o'brien's got a lot more miles a lot lot more check marks on his bump card he also has to bump more for the style he does versus braun who does not need to leave his feet as much uh I, i tend to agree i think I think Braun would be the more polarizing move the needle if you're trying to grab more casual fans to get yourself eclipsed over that million viewership mark weekly. A guy who's more recently been against Brock Lesnar, been in WrestleMania is more, again, more recently, I think Braun does that. Um, so, yeah, very, very interesting uh, super chat and question there. And, I'm, and I think it yeah. is something we're going to be discussing with more with more uh, validity sooner than later. The broadcaster right. in me wants Braun to be an AEW because the oh, yeah. podcast would be so much fun if we had Braun an AEW. Oh, I mean, then, you know, what's his name? I mean, I think, I'm assuming WWE owns the Braun Strowman name. So, like, what's his name? Yeah. It's not going to be, is he Adam? He's been going by Adam on Twitter, which, yeah. I mean, it's such a human name. It's got to be something other than Adam. Yeah. Uh, what if he comes in? It would go, uh, maybe we're missing the obvious. Five labors of Hercules. We're talking all this Ooh. Greek mythology. What if he comes in with a Greek mythology name? It would fit. It would absolutely fit. It would fit his character in terms of because they're going to have to do more than just make it about his wrestling uh, because he's not a bad wrestler by any stretch, especially for a big man. But that's not what his bread and butter is. So as like that big giant, it's that's one of the reasons I like that idea so much. It does seem like that Roman Coliseum feel that they're going for with this storyline where, okay, fine, like Game of Thrones, you know, this big guy who just comes in there and and you've got to go past this big guy to get to MJF. For sure. All right, Tony Schiavone back in the ring. Out comes Britt Baker. She cuts a great promo talking about being the baddest bitch on the block. You know, thumbtacks, blood, uh, whatever. It all stops. Uh, you know, Vicky Guerrero, you got a last name. It's forever relevant. You know, Nyla Rose, you need this title to be relevant. Uh, so cuts a really good promo. The crowd's behind her. Uh, you know, Britt talking about she's, you know, Nyla's top of food chain. Britt, she's off the menu. She's special order. So really good promo here. Again, kind of the same Ricky Stark situation here. And, and Britt's going to be in that Ricky Stark situation in a few weeks when they get here to Pittsburgh. She's still technically coming out of the heel tunnel. She's still technically dressing in the heel locker room. Uh, but, I mean, we are just about there of, of everybody's just cheering her. And even in this match against Nyla, I mean, Nyla's also a, a heel, but uh, fully expect the Garland, Texas crowd next week to be fully behind Britt. So I, I think we are just just about officially turning Britt Baker. Yeah. She could still be the sassy, baddest bitch Britt Baker, but, I mean, she's going to be booked on the babyface side of things here. 
Britt Baker is a baby face. Like, you know, AEW can do everything they want, have her come out of that tunnel. But if they intend to make her a heel moving forward, it's like the sixth sense where they're the last ones to find out that, you know, Britt Baker is a baby face. This crowd loved her. You were talking about all the reactions and, and who got the biggest reaction. And yeah, Hangman Adam Page is up there, but I would put Britt Baker right there with him. Um, it, it might be a tie between who got the biggest reaction because they were eating up everything she said, the line she said that you mentioned about, uh, I'm off the menu. They would just pop for it and they absolutely loved her. She gave this big warm hug with Tony Schiavone and it wasn't even like a patronizing hug, no. you know the way she's been treating Tony as a heel so they're gearing up to make this woman the biggest baby face possibly in the company and I think she's doing great she cut a great promo and I, I mean they're ready to make her baby face this is the Britt Baker they wanted at first that the crowd kind of rejected and as soon as she found this character they're all in absolutely yeah I mean the, the normal sarcastic way she treats Tony is the way she just treated me since 2014. That's just her, like, that's just her, that's her sarcasm. That's what's all I get. Uh, all right. Up next, we get a uh, Wheeler Yuta versus Sammy Guevara here. Uh, this match, not too long. Sammy's going to get the, the victory. No surprise. Uh, but, but with Wheeler Yuta getting put over on commentary, uh, you know, has, has been kind of a, a, a hot free agent that's out there. Uh, so getting some love on commentary and Sammy Guevara also getting love on commentary. Jim Ross, perhaps for the quarter of the night, Jim Ross saying Sammy Guevara, he's hotter than donut grease. <laughs> and then throughout the match, Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. You can always tell Jim Ross is so transparent with who his favorite wrestlers are. You can tell he loves Sammy Guevara. You can tell he loves uh, uh, John uh, the, from the Dark Order. Uh, he, Silver, like, yeah. he was over the moon. What's John? I, I just, John Silver? John Silver, yeah, from the Dark Order. He just goes over the moon with that guy as well. And uh, Sammy Guerrero is the same thing. I'll tell you the problem I have with this. This might be one of my least favorite things on this show, even though it was a good match and everything, because they're putting over Wheeler Yuta. And even after the match, Sammy Guevara shakes his hand. You could tell that they might be invested in this kid uh, long term. But as much as they're putting him over, this was a Sammy Guevara show. This did not make Wheeler Yuta look like he was even in Sammy Guevara's league. This is a showcase for Sammy Guevara. Uh, and, and I'm happy that they were talking up Wheeler, but I would have liked to see a little bit more from Wheeler Yuta. And if they were going to do a match like this, don't spend all this time putting them over because now I'm just like, this is the guy you guys are talking about. It's so great. Well, I mean, to be fair, I don't, you know, Wheeler Yuta's probably on a, you know, this is probably his, he's probably getting paid for the night. I don't think he's on a contract or anything. Sure. And, 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 and look, I, I've been kind of actually critical of AEW in the past where I thought that they've on matches that were meant to be squashes. Let's profile our established talent. In this case, Sammy Guevara, I felt they've given the opposition too much sometimes. Right. So I'm kind of happy to see a little bit more of a traditional, let's give some respect to who this opponent is. We're giving him airtime for a reason. He deserves to be here in an AEW ring, but let's not forget Sammy Guevara is the guy we've been building around for two years. So uh, I'm okay. You know, I was okay with this. I, again, I, I feel like they've, they've given guys and girls who should have been squashed have been given way too much, oh, yeah. way too much in the past. So I was okay with this, but I certainly don't think this is the last we're going to see of Wheeler Yuta based upon just the way they talked him up. Uh, don't know what his contract situation is, but don't think it's the last of them. All right, uh, another one here. The again, the women's match I mentioned earlier. You know, this match again, kind of sandwiched right in that spot of like, cool it down before we get in the main event. Um, you know, uh, Yuka uh, Sakazaki um, hadn't been on. I think they said like sixteen months. If I if I remember, that was stat right up against Penelope yeah. Ford. But this match actually, you know, uh, for what it was, Yuka looking good. She hits this finish, this uh, magical girl splash off the top. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to, you know, it's certainly not a match of the night, but this was actually a pleasant surprise. I, I was kind of sitting there not really thinking much of this, but I'm watching it. I was like, all right, well, okay. You know, so good on them to try to keep keep their spot. 
Yeah, the crowd really seemed to connect with Yuka. She's just such a lovable like uh, person in terms of how she's presented, and she's kind of smaller, so that I think helps. And I thought this was a very good match. It did get awkward toward the end where she hit that helicopter splash, and I think they yeah. just kind of got their signals crossed, and you can tell there was a little bit of confusion there before she hit that magical girl splash. But this was a good match. It was. Uh, so Better than it had any business of being, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what we get uh, coming off of this. And then finally, we go into our main event of the night, uh, coffin match between Darby Allen and Ethan Page. Coffin getting brought out to the ring. Uh, Tony Khan apparently couldn't afford druids. We just get a bunch of guys and, uh, you know, and uh, look, looking like they're working the Macy's counter or something. Uh, they bring the coffin out to the ring. <laughs> Ethan Page to the ring. Darby Allen to the ring. Uh, Darby Allen has a steel plate attached to his chest, so a little shades of Goldberg, WCW. Uh, first time Darby goes to the coffin, there's Scorpio Sky is inside of it, so he pops out. That then cues Sting. Sting comes out. We get Sting and Scorpio Sky fighting in the crowd, picture in picture to the commercial. Uh, they're fighting in the crowd. We got steel steps. We got turnbuckles being uh, taken off the ring. Uh, we see Ethan Page. He hits uh, the ego's edge from the uh, middle rope, dropping Darby flat on the steel steps. Look painful as all hell. Finally, Darby ends up going to the top rope with a skateboard, hits the skateboard to the back of page that knocks him into the coffin, closes the coffin. Uh, Darby Allen is your, victor, is, your, is your victor. And then for one final nail in the coffin, Darby goes up, just does the coffin drop, which anybody that has not does not know what a coffin drop is. It's literally Darby goes up to the top rope, does with this with his hands to his chest and just flings himself and does a giant back bump onto this wooden coffin, explodes the wood. So he just, you know, just dies. I mean, a hell of an ending. I think, Dar- first off, I think Darby's in, I, I have said this before, Darby's insane. Yeah. Which, which it is to his credit of why I am attracted to, to his TV time. But dude, you're in your early 20s still. And I just wonder, like, how long can you sustain this? That said, now that I'm being the old curmudgeon, uh, this was a fun match for what it was. But Alfred, I did also feel we talked about this. This had a little bit of a manufactured issue problem of their they were trying to really force us into understanding that this is going to be in this coffin match already, and, and they were trying to uh, play off of history that was pre AEW history. They don't have video necessarily to show us of. I felt even the timing of this match tonight. This match didn't start until like nine forty five Eastern time, so they had a hard out at ten. I, I felt like maybe they should maybe they should have cut the women's match, or maybe they should have cut some other things shortened in the night to give this match an extra five or ten minutes even if it meant Darby taking an extra minute towards the end before he does a coffin drop I just felt this thing was forward I felt this thing was yeah. rushed and they were trying to get to those ending spots quick yeah yeah it, it, early in this match as it was going I looked at the clock and there's ten minutes left and that's really not enough time I think for a suitable main event Um, even though this was a fun main event I mean they even did the thing with the ropes and yeah Darby had the thing on his but this is how Darby is saying he shows up with that plate on his back he used it for like a springboard coffin drop but you don't need a plate for that right he, the guy's gonna catch you you're gonna hit the guy and when he does the big dive I think that's when he needed that plate on his back <laughs> he's gonna dive backwards onto a coffin and that was just such an insane thing to watch it's, there's been countless Darby Allen spots where my heart is in my throat for the whole time I've been doing that. And I don't think it's fair to just dismiss those opinions as old curmudgeon because I just think that we know enough about the wrestling business to where 
people who wrestle that style, it does not age well years from now. And and I know that's part of his charm. That's part of what makes Darby Allen such a big star is that he is willing to pretty much kill himself for these people. Uh, but if they could just space that out, like that, that was a crazy bump that he took in that. And I mean, I'm sure there's ways they mechanical. There's mechanic behind that coffin, and so they made it to where it wasn't as bad as it looked. But my goodness, what a bump that he took with that coffin drop. I don't know. It looked like it was made out of wood, and the wood exploded. Yeah, that's exactly I mean, what it looked like. I mean, who knows what the who knows what the, what type of wood, or if it was plywood or whatnot? But that did not look like fun. You can only gimmick wood so much. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, yeah, good. Again, Darby is an attraction. Good on him. He's uh, hopefully he's making you know nice six figures. I mean, good on him for this guy who has a story of being homeless, living in his car. But uh, brother, you got a lot of life ahead of you. I think you're like straight edge and drug free. So it's not like you're going to be using some pain pills or some drugs to ease the pain. I mean, just, just take it easy. Just take it easy. He's also not the biggest guy. So, no. you know. but, but that's, but I get, but he's not the biggest guy, but that's, I think that's probably why he feels he has to do this to, yeah. to, to, to overcompensate. And, and it's, I mean, look, he just main evented and was the ending spot on a, a, a fire hot show tonight so i mean he's he's earned his keep i just every time i watch him i just go Ugh. yeah um but hey we'll see it's it's his body not ours but uh overall though i mean this is a very entertaining show fighter fest night one night two next week in garland texas just outside of dallas uh again jericho versus sean spears lance archer versus moxley uh several uh Britt baker versus nyla rose um there's at least one more that I'm missing, but you know, I mean, AEW, they're they're on, they got some momentum here. After they're back, they're live, they're on the road, they got some momentum. I'd be very interested to see what do the numbers do tonight. I do, I don't think they're gonna go over a million. They did have mm-hmm. NBA competition, but man, I gotta think this is gonna be at least eight hundred thousand. Yeah, and they did go down for last week's show, and you know, this is stiff competition from the NBA. Um, as my bucks keep it too close for comfort. Uh, Guys need to come on, wake up. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to even come close to a million. Maybe they go over 900,000. Um, it's not like there was a lot promoted in terms of, like, a big world title match or, or you know, FTW title match I don't think is going to be that big of a draw. Darby Allen is clearly a draw. This coffin match, I'm sure there was intrigue for that. So maybe they approach 900,000, I think, around that range. For sure. All right. Well, we thank everybody for tuning in here tonight. We thank you for the super chats, uh, all the other comments going on. Of course, if you're listening uh, the day after on the audio only, we appreciate it. Of course, you should be watching the live video so you can see Alfred and his Hawaiian wear and all the other good visuals that we have here. Uh, Please do all the things. Do the like, do the subscribe, leave a comment. It helps all of us. Uh, Nothing tomorrow night. Uh, Friday night, there'll be SmackDown. Sunday night. We'll be having Pina Coladas live on air. Pina coladas. Like the fans coming back with pina coladas. Two pina yeah. coladas Friday night, and then Sunday night, uh, Alfred and I are back for Money in the Bank. Uh, I have a feeling that is going to be up to this, up to the, that point this week. That is going to be the most viewed show that we do. I mean, this okay. is going to be huge. Money in the Bank, back to live crowds. We certainly are expecting some surprises and some returns. So Sunday night, make sure you bookmark it that after Money in the Bank, you are here live on Wrestling Inc.'s YouTube, Twitch, wherever. Make sure you are staying up with us Sunday night. That is going to be one Alfred and I are going to be digging into. There's going to be a lot to unpack. And then never mind whatever news headlines bust out otherwise in the wrestling world that we'll have to talk about. So a lot to look forward to Sunday night. And then we're back on Monday for Raw and around around the hamster wheel we go. Alfred, thank you very much. Anything else you want to plug? 
Well, yeah, listen, uh, we talked about my guy, Michael Laura, breaking that story. He can't be the only Forbes guy breaking stories around here. I exclusively revealed the action figure Ultimate Edition Sergeant Slaughter on Forbes. So, guys, look at that. I had a lot of fun writing that. The good people of Mattel sent me this from my troubles. Look at this beautiful toy. Wow. I haven't opened it yet. Comes in this beautiful collector's edition box. I had a Comic Con. This is going to be one of the big items. So I talked a lot about the toy industry, which has exploded over this pandemic. Uh, people buying all kinds of toys because they have to spend more time with their kids and they really don't want to raise them. I'm just kidding. But they have made a lot of sales with these toys. And uh, Mattel has this beautiful Sergeant Slaughter toy. I got it before Zack Ryder, which I'm sure it's going to piss him off. Uh, and so you guys check out my article about uh, the Sergeant Slaughter Ultimate Edition action figure. It's really a beautiful toy and, and a collector's item for years to come. Hell yeah! You should have flown to here to Pittsburgh last weekend. The, the, the show that I was on with Big Cass, uh, we, we uh, the meet and greet prior, we had Sergeant Slaughter the meet and greet. Oh, that would be great! You could have came and you know he was there. Lex Luger, you could have got you could have got some real Americans, Sergeant Slaughter and Lex oh, Luger man. to sign that. That's well, awesome. Next time, for so, sure. So who, wait, Mattel sent that to you? Yes, yes, Mattel sent it. You know they wanted me to take a look at it because I was going to be writing something about it. So to just kind of see what it's all about, and I think it looks amazing. I think it looks like a great toy. Uh, and they're really, you know, they're really doing a lot of these exclusive launches to kind of help their growth. And I think it's a good idea and a good strategy. Alfred Cunningham, ladies and gentlemen, follow him at This Is Nasty. Uh, he's on Forbes.com every single week. He's here on Wrestling Inc. every single week on the podcast. He's the partner in crime for me. Going back many years, we're happy that we've took our show on the road, and, and here we are on Wrestling Inc. Uh, again, thanks to everybody. We'll be back Friday night after SmackDown. SmackDown back on the road. Houston Toyota Center new set. We'll see what happens. Good night. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.